This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's podcast episode, I am bringing you a Q&A. I popped a question box up onto my Instagram stories today and I'm going to answer all the questions you guys asked me. Yay! I love these kinds of episodes because I can actually answer what you want to know, your questions clearly because you've popped them onto the question box, but you know what I mean. I always want to be able to bring value to you guys on this podcast and sometimes I just assume I know what you guys want to hear about. So when I can actually directly ask you and then answer your questions, it's always good. And I am also going to be announcing today's, well, this month's Gymshark voucher giveaway. And I'm going to be doing that at the end of the podcast episode. So make sure you hang around for that one. If you want to go into the draw to win a Gymshark voucher valued at $100, just leave a rating or a review. Make sure you screenshot that and send that through to me. DMs is probably the easiest way to go about it. You can email me. Um but it's usually DMs and I will pop you into the draw for June. Can you believe we're in June next month? Oh my goodness, this year has absolutely flown by. Anyway, that is all I'm going to say for this intro. I want to get stuck into these questions ASAP. I got some really good questions today, actually. Let's have a look, Ski. Let's start here. So how, how not to get bulky? I'm eating in a deficit and training with weights. Okay, so let's talk about this idea of bulky and lifting weights. Now, one thing I do want to address is that a lot of girls will will get scared about getting bulky when they do lift weights. Thing is, is when you lift weights, you build muscle and muscle needs to go somewhere, right? So you can't just build muscle and then it just floats around. It's on your body, which means you're adding to your body. But what I want you to understand is that you are building shape. Now, when you are in your maintenance calories, so you're just focusing on building muscle and you're not in a calorie deficit, what is happening is that you've got your normal body fat percentage, right? So you're staying at your body fat percentage, whatever it is currently. On top of that, you're building muscle. Now, what that can feel like sometimes as is you getting bigger, right? Because it's not like you're losing fat and stripping that fat and then building that muscle. It's kind of like you can feel like you're adding an extra layer to a degree. Not really, but to a degree. So I can understand when girls feel like they look big or they get bulky when they build muscle, but you're not getting bulky, right? You're not getting big and bulky. It's so important to understand the phases that you need to go through in order to achieve your end goal. If you want to look toned, if you want to transform the look of your body, you're going to have to focus on building muscle. But listen, 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 there should be no reason why you're panicking throughout this process because when you understand how to lose fat, then it doesn't really matter, right? So you spend six months building muscle, but you know that that six months isn't going to be the rest of your life. It's just six months. So after that six months, if you want to, you can go into a calorie deficit because you understand exactly how to do that, how to phase your nutrition so that you get to your end goal. In order to achieve any goal in our life, we need to sit in the uncomfortable and we need to go through stages where we don't feel 
things aren't easy, right? And we can think about that with the way that our body looks, but we can also think about it in so many different aspects of our life. You know, through relationships, if you're going through a hard patch, you need to understand that there's sometimes when you might not get on with someone or you guys are working through a problem. But without working through that, then you don't actually ever improve. Things don't get better. If you're studying, there's times when there's going to be a lot of stress. You're going to have to sacrifice social events because you've got this end goal to achieve this, I don't know, to become a doctor, to become a physio, a zoologist, whatever it is that you're wanting to do. It's so random. That just came into my head, a zoologist. (laughs) But you get what I'm trying to say, right? You need to sacrifice in order to achieve your end goal. You need to be uncomfortable. That's just life. And when you can accept that and think, do you know what? This is cool. Like this is just this season of my life. It's not going to be like this forever, but I need to go through this season in order to get to the season that I really want to be in. Then it kind of takes the pressure off of you. So I've gone on to a little bit of a ramble there, but I think it's really valid, right? Because so many of us panic, panic, panic about getting bigger and getting bulkier. Listen, you're always in control. You are always, always, always in control, right? You make the decisions. It's not like you're going to lift weights and then all of a sudden you're going to become incredibly jacked and look like a man. Absolutely not. We know what science tells us, right? That's pretty much impossible for females. And it takes so much more than just lifting weights for you to ever look like that. I hope that answers that question. So in turn, she said how to not get bulky. Like, well, I'm, I'm trying to explain, I suppose, like as you build muscle, you, your body is going to change. But when you get really big, you get big because you've got more body fat on you or you're a guy or you're a girl that's taking steroids that's getting absolutely jacked. That's just not going to be the case. Or you fall into this really small percentage of people that genetically can just build muscle like crazy and are very athletic. Like those are the people that would fall into becoming professional athletes because they've just got the most incredible genetics. That is honestly not what you want to be worrying about right now because it's probably not you. I would say it's most probably not you. All right, next question. I'm doing YouTube workouts mostly five days a week. Is that enough lifting? Absolutely. So I would say the majority of people really will benefit from probably three days a week. I think three days a week is what most people can stick to. It is not about how many workouts you do in a week. It's actually about what the quality of those workouts are and what's in them. My concern here is that you said that you're doing YouTube workouts. I don't know what those YouTube workouts are, whether they are progressively overloading, whether they're even effective. Like, you know what I mean? So it's not, and I used to think this as well, the more the better. And it's actually not. We know that it's not now. So what you want to think about doing is making sure that you're just really consistent with what you can stick to with your workouts. You're progressively overloading. That could be two days a week. You could be doing a five-day-a-week training program. But if it's garbage, if the workouts are terrible then you're actually better off sticking to a two to three day a week program because you're going to get better results. So it's not necessarily about the amount of times that you're training. It's about the quality of that training and what that training program actually looks like. Okay, so how long should you stay in the different stages? For example, reverse dieting, a deficit and maintenance. Okay, the majority of the time you probably want to stay at your maintenance calories in your life. A calorie deficit 
it depends. You know, if, if you're obese and you've got lots of body fat to lose, then you need to spend a long time. So we had, uh, well, we have Diana, our incredible client, come to us and she had a lot of fat to lose, right? Now she's down 70 pounds. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, so 70 pounds. All right. Well, she's not going to lose that in 12 weeks. So we've had her, we've had her in a calorie deficit and we've had some reverse diets in this amount of time as well as diet breaks, but she's been in one for almost 18 months, right? So it's going to take longer for her. But if you've got like, you know, I don't know, it's so subjective to your situation. Really, you don't want to go any longer than probably 16 weeks without having some kind of a break. Then you want to go up to your maintenance. A really good rule to follow is the amount of time that you're in a deficit, you want to beat your maintenance for double that amount of time. So from there, I would also suggest if you game enough, and there should be no reason to fear this because it's incredible, but if you can not give in to fear and if you can just spend like honestly four to six months in a building phase, meaning in a slight surplus, you will see the most incredible results. Incredible results. And listen, you're not going to be gaining all of this fat, I can assure you. Like we're talking two to three kilos. And then can you imagine how much different your body is going to look when you go into a calorie deficit plus how many more calories you can eat while in a calorie deficit because you have increased your maintenance calorie so much. I'm just going to put that out there just to have a think about because I think it is a very beneficial thing and something women get scared about when they really shouldn't, right? Because we're in control. We understand the phases of nutrition that our body needs to go through in order to achieve our end goal. So in turn, that's really hard for me. I probably haven't really given you guys a clear answer, but maintenance, I'd be staying there as long as you possibly can. A reverse diet, sorry, I didn't answer that one. Look, a reverse diet shouldn't take any longer than 12 weeks get those calories back up, and then you stay at those maintenance calories for a longer period of time. Next question. When, I think this is a question for me, when my body weight increased, did my weight distribute evenly? So when I had restricted for a really long time, no, it did not. Um, And you guys know as well that I suffered from an eating disorder in my late teens, and I had anorexia. Um, Trigger warning to anyone that is suffering from an eating disorder. Uh, but when I gained weight back, I gained it primarily and I gained it quite quickly, uh, in my stomach. And this is really common and there's no two ways to go about it. There's no secret workout you can do a way to increase your calories. That's going to prevent this. It's basically the repercussions of starving yourself. And that can be really hard, but I feel like the mental challenge of it is very beneficial. You have to sit in that uncomfortable. And I can assure you that, it does change. It really does change as your body gets healthier. And that just takes time, unfortunately. And it is a really uncomfortable position to be in. But getting over that hurdle is so good because at the end of that, you find food freedom and you're free from your life revolving around food and exercise, which is the most liberating thing. So Another thing to keep in mind as well is like I had to gain a lot more weight and be at a heavier weight than what I am now to even get my cycle back after losing my period when I was had my eating disorder, which is really interesting. So I weigh a lot less now and my body fat percentage is much lower, but that's because I've spent years and years and years eating at maintenance. My body is like in a happy place now. It feels safe. 
there are repercussions for all of our actions. And I know that eating disorders sometimes are out of our control, but there are still repercussions for that. And it just means that we do sometimes, you know, in that situation, if we are recovering from that, you do gain weight quite quickly. And it can sometimes sit in places that we don't want it to sit in, which can be really hard. But besides that, putting that aside, when it comes to weight gain, it really does truly come down to genetics and where you just genetically store your fat. It's going to go there first. We can't change that. For most women, it's around their hips, thighs, bums, stomach. For other women, it can be in their arms, like it, it, you know, their back. But that's they're usually the main places that most women will store it in. Nothing you can do about it. Okay, so how to avoid fat gain? Um, and extreme hunger after healing from having a low body fat percentage. You can't. This is literally what I just spoke about. Like you cannot get around that. If you've under eaten for a really long time, there is, there is repercussions. And I almost feel like the repercussions are a learning lesson. Like they are teaching you that you need to get uncomfortable and maybe you need to work through this fear that you have of gaining weight. I kind of feel like it's beneficial, to be honest. Incredibly difficult, but super beneficial. If you're at a low body fat percentage, you need to gain fat. Number one, that's the first thing that you need to understand. You just need to gain fat. You need to get that into your head. There's no way you can become magically healthier and still not gain fat. It's just not the way that it works. Severe hunger, that is a thing that you cannot bypass. This is very uncomfortable. I remember going through this myself and we have lots of clients go through this where they cannot stop eating and the hunger is intense. And I would even say sometimes it's not a physical hunger. Sometimes it's a psychological hunger as well where like you cannot physically stop eating and you you feel like you're so out of control around food. I remember doing this. I want to give you hope because that has not happened to me in years and years and years and years and years. But you've deprived yourself for so long that your body doesn't know balance. Your body's thinking, I just need to get these calories in now. I don't know when I'm going to get this food again. And so you will just eat and eat and eat, right? And that's really difficult, super duper hard. But it's once again, something you need to work through. And I think it's very important to work through this with a support person, whether that's a coach, whether that's a therapist. If you've had an eating disorder, definitely a therapist. So they can let you know and reassure you this is all normal and it will not last forever. Nothing lasts forever. But it is, once again, the hurdle that you need to go through in order to get over that, right? I don't want you guys ever, ever living your life unhealthy, low body fat percentage, hardly eating anything. There is freedom at the end of that, but it's going to require you to go through times that you feel really uncomfortable and not yourself and sometimes out of control. That's, I think, the hardest bit is you feel like you're out of control and you want to go back to controlling things. But actually, you're still out of control when you think you're controlling things because food and exercise is controlling you. You've just got to give in and you've got to go with the flow and understand this is all a part of the process and it will not be like this forever. All right, next question. Um, There's a few that are along that same line of not wanting to gain weight. Okay, is the concept of a broken metabolism true or false? Can you explain in detail? So when people talk about having a broken metabolism, sometimes they feel like, I guess it's someone that's eating low calories and just can't seem to lose weight. They think their metabolism is broken from years of yo-yo dieting. That's not true. Your metabolism is never broken. It's just adaptive. So metabolic adaptation. You undereat for a really long period of time. All that happens is that your body will learn to live off those calories. So you're eating low calories and you're thinking, I'm not losing weight. Why on earth is this going? Like what is happening? 
like I've got friends that are eating much more than I am and are able to lose weight. Like clearly there's something wrong with me. My metabolism is just super slow and it's not that. You've actually kind of taught it to slow down in a way. But just like you've taught it to slow down, you can teach it to speed back up. There's always there's, – your metabolism is made up of so much thing. It's not like your metabolism is an organ or it's a thing. Your metabolism comes down to what your height is, how active you are, how many steps you do, what your workouts are, how much muscle you have, how much sleep you get. There is so much there. And if you haven't been looking after your body, your body's just going to respond in a way that's probably not going to be that beneficial. So you can absolutely get over it. It's not broken. Your metabolism is not broken. It's just adapted to whatever you've given it to eat, right? But it doesn't need to be like that long term. Um, Okay, so how long did it take you to recomp and slowly increase calories? One year altogether? So my I increased my calories from probably... There was times when I was eating hardly nothing, to be honest. But probably when I did my proper first reverse diet, <coughs> it was probably a, a period of like maybe 10 weeks where I increased my calories and then I stayed there for years. I didn't stay there for a year. I stayed there for years. I remember I increased up to, I think, 2,700, which at that point, I'm a very small person. And I did gain fat. I gained fat, absolutely. But like, it was hard for me to get in food. I was not enjoying eating. And I was like, this is enough. I stayed there for at least 18 months, at least. And then I think I maybe accidentally lost weight potentially. I never actually went into a proper calorie deficit for years after that. It takes time. It takes time to build muscle. It takes time to heal yourself. I still wasn't getting a regular cycle. That was my main concern. And it took me a very long time. It took me years to get a regular cycle back. So I stayed at a higher body fat percentage and eating higher calories and not going into a deficit for a long period of time. But you know what? I found so much freedom in it. It was, I can't explain the anxiety that I felt for so long, like probably maybe six months. And then after the six months, I started to see that my body was changing. I was building muscle. I was looking stronger, but also just how I was feeling. I wasn't so obsessed with what I was eating. I wasn't so obsessed with the way that my body looked and I was super focused on performance. I wanted to get as strong as I possibly could. And I felt so good doing that, that it was like, it didn't really even matter that I had gained a little bit of weight. It didn't matter. And that was so incredibly freeing after spending years and years, like so obsessed with hitting a certain number. And there was a number that I had in my head that I wanted to achieve. And not caring anymore was just liberating because I could make my own decisions with food and exercise and my value also wasn't tied into that. So I know I'm getting off topic here, but it did take me a long time to get to where I am now. I mean, maybe like eight years, I'd say. So it's been a long time, but my focus hasn't really been my body for the majority of that. It's really just been being the best version of myself and just making sure that I'm healthy. And that is incredibly liberating. Okay. Um, a couple more questions. All right. When starting completely new, new city, new job, what is most important to continue on with and what can I let drop? Okay. Big life changes. Big life changes require us to change our routine 
but we still want to keep the habits that we've created for ourselves. I think where people go wrong is that you can put yourself into a new situation, a new environment and expect yourself to do what you were doing prior. You know, that can look like you moving from high school into university and then having more of a workload with uni and then also having a part-time job, but still expecting yourself to eat the way that you were eating or train as much as you were training. Or maybe you've finished university and you've gotten a new job and there's more responsibilities on you and you just can't work out the way that you used to work out. You need to show yourself grace in that and you need to understand this is a new season of your life, which means that you are your commitments are going to look different. The way to think about it is, in particular with food, I think nutrition's easy to stay consistent with. It's more exercise. And I would be saying, think of your worst week. Think of your busiest week, your most stressful week. How many days a week can you exercise on that week? And that is the amount of exercise you're going to do. Then do you know what? Anything on top of that is going to be a bonus. But where you go wrong is you go, do you know what? No, I'm going to stick to five days a week. And then you think to yourself, oh my goodness, I reckon I can stick to five days a week, like five workouts this week, but then next week I know I've got all of these projects due. I'm not going to be able to stick to it. Then I'm going to feel like I failed and I'm not being consistent. Where if you go, do you know what? I can commit regardless week in, week out to three workouts a week. And then you can say to yourself, do you know what? This week I've got so much more spare time. I'm going to squeeze in a fourth and you're still going to feel like you're being really consistent, right? And remember, it's not about more. It's about quality over quantity when it comes to that. Move as much as you can, show yourself some grace, even have a break for a period of time. There's nothing wrong with that, especially while you're adjusting to your new environment and figuring out where a gym is and finding new friends. There are other things that are taking your focus right now and that's completely okay. It's a new season of your life. All right, this is the last question. Where do you draw your motivation from? I liked this question. Where do I draw my motivation from? Do you know, I would say that I'm... My motivation, I absolutely draw my motivation when I think about the main thing that pushes me to do what I want to do is that I have this feeling and I have, I feel like I've got this calling bigger than myself to make an impact and a difference on the world. And Whenever I feel like I'm doubting myself or things are really hard and I want to give up, I remind myself that my calling is bigger than me and that requires me to step up and still do what I need to do even if I'm not feeling it, even if I don't believe in myself because I believe my calling is bigger than myself. Does that make sense? And my calling meaning making all of your lives better and you guys absolutely just owning everything that you are and loving yourself and being the best version of yourself and living your life and achieving things and then do you know what giving back to everybody else that is what my heart wants so much like so passionately when I think about it I have this fire inside of me and that's what I want for all of you and that drives me that motivates me because on the days where I feel terrible It's like a purpose outside of myself, outside of my own brain, outside of my own negative thoughts that pushes me to get up and do what I need to do because I know I'm making an impact, because I know I'm leaving a legacy. And that's what motivates me. That is what motivates me. Plus also Sonny. I want to be a great role model for Sonny and I want to create a life for him that is good. And more than anything, I want to show him that I want him to just achieve his goals and go for it in life. 
give anything a crack and not be held back by fear. And I need to model that in order to teach him that. And I feel really, really passionately about that. That's such a great question. All right, guys, that was an awesome podcast episode. So now I'm going to tell you who has won the Gymshark voucher giveaway. And we've hit over 500 reviews on Spotify. I just want to take this moment to say a huge thank you to everyone. Like, my heart is so full. It is so full of gratitude for you all and of love. And you've got no idea how much just leaving a rating or a review makes such a difference or screenshotting the podcast and sharing it onto your stories and tagging me or sharing it with a friend. Like it is so impactful for me to be able to get this message out to as many women as possible and live out that legacy that I'm wanting. So just so much love to you all. I truly, truly do appreciate it. And I'm now going to announce the winner of the Gymshark voucher. So it is for this month, Emma Bindoff on Instagram. You screenshotted me a review on Spotify, Emma Bindoff, spelt B-I-N-D-O-F-F. Send me a DM and I will get your voucher out. All right, guys, that is it from me. Big love, Coach Tash. Coach Tash.